Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Thinking of starting a podcast? We'll try Anchor. It's free, easy to use, and its creation tools allow you to record and edit directly from your phone or computer. It'll even take care of distribution for you with a single tap so you can be heard on platforms such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. Also, Anchor is the only place you can publish video podcasts directly to Spotify. Man, you can even make money using Anchor in a couple of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. It's truly everything you need in one place to make a podcast. So make sure to go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Welcome to another edition of the It's Cavalier podcast. As always, it's your boy Mac. Joining me today, my good old buddy, pal, Corey Walsh of Fear the Sword. How are you doing, Corey? I, uh, I'm doing all right. I am. I'm just still struggling to grasp <laughs> that I can't watch Cavs basketball and I have to succumb myself to a uh, Bucks and Bulls playoff game as it's my difficult. source of entertainment. Yeah, so I think we're about two weeks two weeks past the end of the Cavaliers season and over that period of time and I've had a lot of time to reflect had some time to recharge sometimes I put some things into perspective and you know that's a word we often throw around here (laughs) might be uh, our favorite word of the podcast uh, perspective but for real man um, a lot of things have been kind of laid out in, in place and watching some of the uh, some of the pressers and just getting some knowledge from uh, those around the Cavs community. So I'm feeling okay. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, at least we have that lotto pick because that kind of feels like the the buoy for me, at least, of hope at this point. <laughs> the buoy of hope for me right now is this Jack Daniels I'm zipping on. I was going to so. say, goddamn. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just here having water like a fool. So um, I'm feeling good uh, about the Cavs' future, to say the least. Um, you know, one of the things that we kind of wanted to get into tonight, man, is what what do we do now? What do the Cavs do now? Like, what do we need? What do the Cavs need? And I, what better way to kick that off than to uh, talk about one of the enemies of the Cleveland Cavaliers at this point, uh, at least on Cavs Twitter, and that is uh, Joe Ingles. And I bring up Joe Ingles' name because, to my knowledge, the wing position is something that has to be addressed, right? Yeah, necessarily. Yeah, I think that was we've been saying that all year. And it just kind of felt like a plug and play at times to try to figure out the right answer. And I don't I I can safely say we did not find that at the end of the season. Yeah. So, you know, in my opinion, that is one of the biggest areas of need for this team. And I know Joe Ingles might not be the top of the list of guys you'd want to be seeing wearing the wine and gold next season. But um, he is in a list of guys that I think the Cavs should consider. And so before we dive even deeper into the the full list of uh, free agents here that me and you might uh, agree or not agree upon, I just want to get your, your take on something. All right. (laughs) Is it impossible to change the perception of, a player who you feel has wronged somebody on your team? Uh, I feel like it's easy, much easier to do that when they come and play for your team. I mean, look at Rajon Rondo. If you told Cavs fans at any point this year that we'd have to root for Rajon Rondo, I think a lot of people would dry heave <laughs> at the very thought of it. But now I think Cavs fans have developed kind of a soft spot for what Rondo did this year. I mean, it was a little bit of ups and downs, but the ups were very fun to say the least. And he did what he came in for. So I personally have recovered from my Rondo PTSD from the Boston Cleveland days back in the early or late two (laughs) thousands. 
I mean, we all we all hate Boston. Um, I think that's fair to say, but there's a respect there. Uh, you know, there's a, a respect of the competitive drive that both of these franchises had during that period of time. And they're both, you know, one is clearly uh, better than the other right now, but they're both on the up and up. Um, but yeah, the Cavs. <laughs> <laughs> to circle back to uh, the point that I'm trying to make here, we know that there are certain guys out there who have garnered a reputation as of being kind of like an asshole or a heel, you know, things along that line. Um, we both, I feel like, share the same hatred <laughs> or disdain for a guy like Kelly Olenek, right? A hundred percent. Exactly, because because he ended the the season of one Kevin Love and all but ended the Cavs' hopes at a championship at um, you know at, at a certain point. You can. <laughs> Go ahead. I was going to say, yeah, it's hard to fit in or fit out when your shoulder is literally fitted out of its socket. (laughs) So thanks a lot, Kelly. That was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So I I think that's a a player. It's an example of a player that we'll never truly enjoy watching. Um, Another and that that can be held in a certain light is Joe Ingles because of his actions towards Jared Allen. That was still the weirdest game of the entire year, how Joe Ingles went from zero to 100 faster than I ever would have thought a player would. I feel like something may have occurred that day. Maybe he was going through some stuff that day. Maybe it was something personal uh, in his personal life. You never know. But he just doesn't strike me as a guy who would typically react that way. Now, it feels like someone told him he's not going to be on the national team in the upcoming season because I feel like that's the one thing that he holds near and dear to his heart. (laughs) But yeah, he's from Australia, right? Yeah, Aussies. <laughs> yeah, those are those are tough, gritty guys over there. A lot of the NBA players that come over from Australia have like the same mindset, I feel like. It's just how they grow up playing, I guess. All of them just look at their idol, Matthew Delvadova, and <laughs> <laughs> really just pay, pave their way based off that. Yeah, and so I'll um I'll just go ahead and outright and say it. I, I feel like Joe Ingles kind of fits to a T what the Cavs need at this point. Um, there's there's pros and cons, though, with bringing in a guy like that. And one, uh, you got to look at his age, and you have to look at the ACL tear that he recently sustained. Um, go ahead. I was going to say, when you look at the ACL tear, you can also look at it as discounted Joe Ingles. <laughs> that's really precisely – that, that's one of the – that's one of the pros to me. And, the, uh, you know, uh, another thing that I think people are failing to realize is – Joe Ingles' game has never been predicated off of athleticism. I was going to say, what part of his game is going to diminish from the torn ACL? Because it certainly it wasn't ever that you felt Joe Ingles' first step was a lethal one in the NBA. I think what uh, Joe Ingles brings to the table is a, a, a wing that can handle the ball in a way that we really don't have any of our wings that can. I mean, Karis LeVert can handle the ball, but I also like someone else other than Karis LeVert to handle the ball at times, because let's say Karis is having an off night. And the only reason we're keeping him out on the floor is because he can ball handle. I'd rather have another option off this Cavalier bench for that reason. Yeah. in his last full season with Utah, I believe he averaged 4.7 assists. And I mean, uh, you know, that's con- considering what we got out of that position this year, that that would be a leap to me, especially as a guy you'd probably consider to be coming off the bench. Yeah, 100 percent. I, I couldn't see any way in which he would even crack the starting lineup at this point. I feel like unless the Cavs make a massive swing on like for upgrading the small forward position, I feel like the starting lineup is going to be the starting lineup we saw last year from the start of the season with Garland, Sexton, Market and Mobley Allen. Yeah, unless something crazy happens, a, a, a big-time trade, maybe they move Sexton in a sign trade or something like that, or maybe they get something out of Lowry Markkinen um, that, that we're not seeing, uh, I think it's going to be relatively the same. So uh, that said, yeah, I mean, you're looking at a guy who's 40.8 career from beyond the arc. That does not, not scream what the Cavs need from that position. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it did uh, screams from the like as loud as possible. It's deafening <laughs> how loud it's screaming. Yeah, uh, I mean, to me, I, I get it. People, uh, people have the opinion that they just they don't want to see the guy share the same court with Jared Allen wearing the same uniform. I get that, but I mean, you can you can move past these things. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. 
Yeah, I feel like honestly, a lot of people have a sour taste in their mouth from when Jay Crowder was acquired by the Cavs and that guy deal, because that was an awful experience. But let's just keep in mind, not every player is going to be like Jay Crowder. And that Cavs situation in 2018 was so weird. And, like, and not, I don't truthfully be told. I don't think a lot of those guys actually wanted to play with LeBron. Um, and that, <laughs> including Dwayne Wade. <laughs> It's towards the end of his career. Um, I mean, the Derek Rose, there's Isaiah Thomas. There's just so many names that you could put in in, in the same light. And it, the answer kind of is the same across the board for all of them, in my opinion. And and look at Jay Carter now. He's been to the finals with, uh, what, two different teams now. And, the Heat and the Suns. <laughs> and he's a vital role. He plays a vital role. Yeah, it's always like you kind of look at Jay Carter and you're like, huh, so we're just basically the outlier in the Jay Crowder career where he's been an impact player at every team he's been on. Then he goes to Cleveland and it's pause. And yeah, it was Boston, Dallas, right? He played for those two. I think it was Dallas, then Boston, Dallas, then Boston. Cause he was part of the original Rondo trade from Boston to Dallas. Gotcha. Yeah. And then, and then Cleveland. And then he went on to Miami, right? Yeah. And, and then Phoenix, then Phoenix. Yeah. I feel like he had to stay somewhere else. Was it Memphis? Uh, maybe, but a fun fact about Jay Crowder while we're on him is he's only like 30 points away from tying Anthony Davis's career postseason points. That's insane. It's and not that, that high of a number. It's only like well, 1,018 yeah. or something. I, I know. I, 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 I was you there. But when you think of a guy who's as talented as AD is, you wouldn't think it would be that way. But injury just plays such a factor in that guy's life. It's just you can see why. No, it's, I close. always have thought that Jay Crowder and Anthony Davis sit at the same table among the NBA elite. <laughs> <laughs> neck and neck, right? I think, uh, uh, I'm not going to say it, but Jay Crowder might look down at Anthony Davis, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, with that being said, man, who would be your your prized wing as a free agent? Or you know, maybe a trade. I mean, what would be the guy that you'd want to bring in here? Wing is so tough because I feel like obviously what I would like is a three and D wing is something I feel like this Cavs team needs desperately. I feel like we have players who are willing to shoot threes and players that are willing to play defense, but they don't do the other part of three and D. And that's why those players one or the other are one in a million. And you really seem to only find them during draft season. Mm-hmm. So Every time I look at Ochoa Akbaji, yep. I basically get extremely excited. And I brought him up last week, and I hate to break it to the listeners, but I feel like that's the guy I'm going to bring up every week. Hey, we go ahead. Him. I was going to bring him up, so I'm glad you brought him up. Um, no, his footage just like he gives, he feels to the Cavs, in my opinion, how Cameron Johnson felt to the uh, Suns. I mean, everyone kind of laughed and smirked when they took him at the time. Mm -hmm. But now you look at the Suns and he's one of their best shooters by far. He certainly doesn't play defense. That's more of what Bridges (laughs) brings to the table. But I feel like he just seems like such a good fit off the bench and he's going to have no expectations coming in. And Mac brought it up last week, but I'm not necessarily expecting him to start or like play any significant minutes right away. But I feel like over time, he'll be one of those players that could grow into the role that the Cavs want him to be because those older players translate to the NBA a lot quicker than the younger prospects. Yeah. I mean, when you're talking about a guy like uh, Ochai, Agbaji, you're talking about a guy that you're going to have to develop. Um, he's not set in stone in regards to his development, but you have to love what you've seen out of him in his four-year progression at Kansas. I mean, he went from averaging, I want to say, uh, right around 30% from beyond the arc to upwards of, I want to say, 41%, a little bit, maybe 41.1. I think that's the number. And although it's not high volume, uh, it's not high volume in, in the earlier portion of his career. He managed to get his attempts all the way up to six and a half. And that's definitely something you wanted to see because out of the wings this year, and I don't know if you consider Lowry a wing, um, <laughs> anybody outside of Jetty Osman who is – I don't even know what to label Jetty. I don't know if he's a guard. I don't know if he's a wing. I don't fucking know. But Dean wasn't giving us that type of production. Uh, we know Lamar – Probably will never crack that, and that's okay. Some guys just need to stay in their lane. And Isaac Okoro is just not there yet. Um, and we talked about him last episode. He got his percentage up to 35, but his attempts went down this season. Yeah, it's kind of like, what would you rather him chuck up six a game and shoot 20%, or would you rather him shoot 
around two and a half to three and shoot 35. And I think obviously that's not what his career is going to be. He could easily become a better three point shooter as the seasons continue. But I feel like we also know with him that it's going to take that amount of time. And and instead of being upset that he's not way ahead of expectations, just just go into the season with the mindset that he's not going to deliver this godsend leap that every Cavs fan is praying for before they go to bed every night. Yeah. Yeah. And you're referring to Isaac, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so in, in regards to Isaac, it's important to put into perspective that the guy is still very young um, and that we, we live in such a society now where everybody wants things just right away. And we've seen examples of which guys do, you know, leap or take some type of leap right away. But in the case of Isaac, um, I want you guys to keep in mind, Darius Garland took a leap in year two, and then he took a gargantuan leap in year three. Colin Sexton did the same thing. He added to his points per game production nearly three to four points every single season. Isaac Okoro did take a leap in year two, but it wasn't nearly what you would have liked to have seen from a visible standpoint in regards to the boss score. He did become a bit more efficient. He still brought the defense, which took a lot of, a lot off the shoulders on that end of the floor for any, any other of Cleveland's guards, Darius Garland and Colin Sexton included Ricky Rubio to an extent. He able, he was able to shoulder the load defensively in that area. And so his leap is going to look different. Um, if he, I, I keep saying, if he's able to up his points production up to about three to four points, if he's able to crack that double digit, uh, points per game mark, then I'll be okay with that considering the amount of scoring production this team could have next season. Yeah. I, um, I feel like with Isaac, it's always just going to be this Cavs fans being very, uh, impatient about his development. And I hate to break it to Cavs fans, but if we're going to have him come off the bench, next season, which I'm expecting to, those numbers can only go so high. It's going to be more just if you're going to have to do the eye test with him as a bench player more than anything else, unless he comes in and becomes like the sixth man that I, I honestly don't see coming as long as Kevin Love keeps performing at this level. I I don't see a path. And with Karis too, there's only so much touches going around, especially with how talented the team's about to become next season with all that players coming back. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's only logical to think that there's only so much of the pie, you know, that, that you can cut up and, and that's just, that's the short of it. I mean, uh, you can't, you can't keep forcing things to him. You got to let things come to him natural. And when he gets his touches, you just have to pray that he, you know, he makes use of them. And we're talking about a Cleveland team who is largely set in regards to particular positions. Um, when you look at the guard position, you have Darius Garland, who blossomed into an all-star this season, um, you know, with the injuries to Sexton and Rubio. You have the all-star emergence as well from Jared Allen, who, you know, I I mean, I certainly didn't see him taking this big of a leap this year. Uh, then you have your <laughs> rookie of the year uh, finalist in Evan Mobley. <laughs> who got snubbed. Um, we'll get to that in a little bit. Okay. But <laughs> yeah, let your sigh out now. Uh, but yeah, you have those right now. Those three players are what you could probably consider to be your core. Now, we often talk about Colin Sexton in relation to the core. I think we would both include him in that core. But we just need to see him put pen to paper. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, I don't think either of us are saying that we're giving up on him yet. I would probably, I wouldn't even probably say if he has a disappointing year yet next year, I wouldn't say I'm a hundred percent sold on him either. I feel like he's like a five-year plan. And right now we're just at the end of year two. And it's not like he's given us a ton to be super discouraged about. Yeah. I mean, you, for me, for a second, I feel like when he comes back, um, hopefully on a long-term extension, he's going to pick up where he left off. We already knew that his points uh, per game are probably going to curtail a little bit with, you know, DG picking up more of the responsibility. But if he's able to come back at like 95, 90 to 95% of the player that he once was uh, not so long ago, I feel like Sexton is going to help this team leaps and bounds, whether that be as a starter or come off the bench. Um, and that's a whole other conversation for another day, another episode. Uh, but there's no way that I can look at guys like Tyrese Maxey and Jordan Poole 
um, and, and not feel good about what we have in Sexton. So I hope the team feels the same way. I hope they put pen to paper, lock them up long-term, give them a reasonable contract. But, I mean, outside of those guys, I, I would feel safe to say at this point, everybody else is probably um, probably up for grabs. I mean, Isaac Okoro included. And you know me, man. <laughs> you know that I'm an avid Isaac supporter. But um, in order for me to include him in that set of guys, we have to see more from him um, on the offensive end. Because I, I don't I don't hesitate to say that I think that if Kobe was given some type of offer, he wouldn't hesitate to pull the trigger if he felt he could upgrade that position. Same goes for everybody else from uh, from Lamar Stevens to Kevin Love. Yeah, I, I honestly, if, if Kevin Love gets traded, I'm going to go into a coma. <laughs> <laughs> you might need to catch me uh, next, uh, maybe a season hiatus. Oh, <laughs> I got you. Start man. auditioning the, the listeners for my spot. Well, I mean, think about it this way. If Kevin Love is is off of the roster, you have two things that you can consider. Depression. <laughs> One, they moved the contract off the books. Two, they probably brought in a player who is maybe not as impactful, but probably younger and figures into the plants a little bit more. And so um, th- that just goes to my point. If a deal is made that can upgrade any of these positions outside of your core group of guys, then you do it. Um, that's just that that's how you run an organization, right? I mean, you don't get too attached to guys. Um, although we do. <laughs> I was going to say, well, yeah, that'd yeah. be weird, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, it's just, it's just the name of the game, man. And so when you're talking about what this team actually needs, just circling back to the larger topic at hand here, um, you know, we know we need the we need a wing, whether that be via the draft or free agency. Um, we know that we need a backup point guard. Um, and so my question for you is there's a lot of talk about Ricky Rubio possibly returning to the Cavs, and there's also talk about Rondo, maybe not hanging him up just yet. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> uh, but if you had to give one point guard, one guy who can go out there and spell DG for a bit of time, who would it be? I feel like point guard is so tricky. It's not like the market is necessarily flooding with uh free agent options i mean the ricky rubio idea i think is more sentimental than anything else because let's keep in mind he probably i think i'm gonna be ready yeah i read chris fedor's article this afternoon about the potential fits he thinks for the cavaliers and he even said that rubio probably wouldn't even come back until january or february so we're just going to assign ricky rubio to probably the mid-level just for him to basically be an assistant coach for half the season, which is nice. And when they play and they're the assistant coach type player, but when Rubio is sucking up that much money to not really be a factor for a while. And just because he comes back in January, doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be a ready NBA ready in January. Probably will take him until February or March, or it could even take him another season because I feel like with those types of injuries, players usually take a long time to play back into the form that we once thought they would. I mean, I mean, you look at Kevin Durant even as like an extreme example for injuries. You kind of think now after watching him in that Celtic series that that meniscus took a lot of athleticism off of him. And I feel like sometimes he kind of doesn't really realize what he's lost in that injury. Now, again, like how he pointed out with Joe Ingles, Ricky Rubio is not a player that was ever like wowing you with his amazing speed or his Man. quick step. But at the or same time, shot. <laughs> yeah, maybe that, maybe that will strengthen something and allow him to get off the ground a little more. But um, I feel like you can, when you combine age with that injury, it's, uh, you really have to take that into account. And I feel like uh, obviously if we were talking about backup guards, that would be interesting to me. I feel like it, it sounds weird, but I really like the, I really feel like the Cavs need another like Jordan Clarkson archetype guard, like a score. Okay. Yeah. I feel like, cause you know, you can find facilitators and let's just say hypothetically they have Joe Ingles. If they bring Joe Ingles in, I don't see the need for a pass first guard. Then it kind of like, you kind of can work one over the other, just as long as there's one new ball hand, primary ball handler acquired. And you can stagger the minutes between Colin Sexton 
and Darius Garland too, and we know that Joe can facilitate a bit. So. And Karis has been showing mm-hmm. flashes of being a good yes. ball. I mean, if he looks at the shot clock, he's become an elite <laughs> uh, decision maker. <laughs> yeah, Karis is um, a little bit better than giving credit for as a facilitator. So if you if you were to grab a wing who's you know proven who can shoot the three ball and facilitate, to me that's a that's a no brainer to me. But I get it. I get the concerns. Yeah, no, I feel like it's very tricky because we can't just sit here and act like the free agent market is abundant with great wings or guards. <laughs> yeah, you know, that 2019 season was magical. All right. <laughs> Where else can you get J.R. Smith basically wanting to run off the team? Yeah, for our audio listeners, C.E. Slay, Clarkson put me in a coma back in 2019. Please know. Um <laughs> The thing for me in regards to Clarkson is that um, I feel that he kind of knew where this was all heading for him. He knew that he probably was not in the long term for Cleveland, especially once Colin Sexton um, arrived. It's just, you know, Clarkson, a guy like that now, I think we could all look at and say, damn, like we need a guy like that. And whether or not you view Colin in that light or not, because I feel like Colin is a massively better, like oh, massively yeah. more talented, uh, more potential, everything than Clarkson. But um, you could probably put Colin in that role and you'd probably get him like at his apex. Yeah, no, I um actually was thinking that reminded me, speaking of former Cavalier guards, uh, Al Burks is a, a good type of archetype I feel like for what the Cavs need a bigger wing that can be a primary ball handler because he pretty much did that for the Knicks once they decided to bench Kemba Walker for the entire season and I feel like he'd be a nice fit but I'm pretty sure if I'm remembering correctly I think he's on a two-year deal so stay tuned (laughs) I I'm gonna have the uh intern look it up for me not the intern, Jesus. I feel like he—that's his way of signaling that I'm the intern. No, that's that—that's that's me. <laughs> I'm my own intern. <laughs> that's a sad life, right there. Uh, question for you, my friend: um, What do you think about Malachi Branham? Because we just got confirmation that he is going to stay put within the draft consideration and job pool, and not return to Ohio State after a pretty stellar freshman season in which he earned uh, Big Ten Rookie of the Year. Well, freshman of the year, rather. And this is in a season in which he averaged 13.7 points, 3.6 rebounds, and two assists. But, man, you look at his percentages. It's beautiful. Damn near 50% from the field, 41.6% from three-point range, and 83.3% from the free throw line. Well, tell me your thoughts on a potential selection of Branham with the you know, presumptive first-round pick. Mac, I can't sit here and act like I'm a draft expert or an Ohio state expert. So I honestly don't know much. So how about you inform me? Oh, stay tuned. (laughs) Stay tuned. I got something coming out on brain tomorrow, but uh, give me um, your spark notes version of what Cavs fans could expect. Okay. Random. So we know that Branham is not what you could consider a facilitator. And we know he's got work to do. In that regard, he only put up two assists a night. But what Branham can do is hit the three ball at a very good clip, although on low volume. Um, You want to see him take more shots. You want to see the guy go out there and look confident in doing that. Um, It's not all sunshine and rainbows with Branham. Um, You can often see him. He favors his right side. Um, And we see that from a lot of younger players. And keep in mind, Branham will only be 19. Um, by the time the 2022-23 season starts. So he's got time to grow. Uh, from that standpoint, though, he favors his right side, even though he has left open a lot. He'll just completely you know, whiff on it and head back to the right side, which he's comfortable with. Uh, he is a mid-range expert, somewhere in the line of a DeMar DeRozan, and that's almost to a fault sometimes. And you see that a lot, and I'm sure you have with um, – uh, with a lot of players around the league, guys who kind of favor that mid range to a fault and and kind of instead of going into the um, into the paint for a much more efficient shot, um, Branham has all of these tools. He just kind of has to put them together, and he's got six eleven. He's got a six eleven wingspan, so I, I kind of feel like he'd work well. A very switchable player. Not quite long enough, not quite fast enough or explosive enough to handle like NBA, like like NBA real NBA body bigs. 
but he is just quick enough and has just enough length to defend twos and threes. So I feel like it's another guy you can kind of almost like uh, Ochai that you could kind of draft and have coming off the bench and just develop. I feel like that's what the Cavs need. I feel like they should just keep their eye out for these prospects that kind of are near finished products where they know what they're going to get just because I don't feel like keep keeping the team really young is really good from a sense of like, if you're doing my GM in NBA 2k, but if you look at these playoff teams that are successful today, mm-hmm. like if you look at the Celtics as an example, or the heat, how many young players do those teams really count on necessarily or use them to push them to another stratosphere? I mean, the youngest series that we're seeing is Memphis and uh, Minnesota. And at the end of the day, the players that are stepping up and winning the games outside of John, uh, I mean, the Memphis is pretty wild <laughs> now that I think about it. Cause like, they're they're basically are Desmond Bain and John Morant feel what like they're dominating. Dylan Brooks. I feel like Dylan Brooks kind of took a step back. Yeah, because uh, John Morant took a step, a massive step forward. <laughs> and Desmond Bain, Desmond Bain has bec- like taken Dylan Brooks's role from the team last season. I feel like last season it kind of felt like the tier list for that Grizzly squad was Ja, uh, Brooks, and then Triple J, and now. I feel like it's Ja Bain and Jaron Jackson Jr. But when Jaron Jackson Jr. fouls out with seven minutes left in every game like he <laughs> likes to do, then Dylan Brooks can step into that third spot if he ever so pleases. They have a very unique blend of guys there in, in Memphis. And, you know, that's one thing that we kind of have envied in the past about them being able to kind of get past some of these injuries. Um, they have just such a unique blend of people there that can make things work. And they have an excellent uh, coaching staff as well. Yeah. And then if you look on the other side with uh, Minnesota, they get valuable minutes out of their veterans. I mean, Pat Bev is probably one of the most annoying players in the league, but Very at the same annoying. time, his presence is, he, he just feels like the Lamar Stevens. I type love role. to have a guy like Pat Bev. Yeah. But when you watch him as a neutral fan, you're just like, dude, this guy is not doing like a ton from a stat sense, but he really gave that uh, Minnesota team a bite that it hasn't had probably since Jimmy Butler was there and a itch. few seasons ago. Yeah. And then they have players like Tori and Prince now, which uh, every time I see Torian out there, I shed a tear, <laughs> but the veteran presence of Minnesota really has allowed them to take that next step. And I feel like if the Cavs keep my point, my whole ramble, which is now lost itself. Literally, so. that's all we've done all this episode. It's just ramble. It's just been one long ramble, and that's okay, man. Yeah, you know, I just wanted to like point out that I just feel like this Cavs team won't necessarily get better by continuing to be younger. Like you brought up the point about Kevin Love for younger pieces, mm-hmm. but if Kevin Love wasn't on this team and we inserted another twenty-four-year-old mm-hmm. into this team, I don't think the Cavs were going to be a forty-four-win team. I think you need some veteran presence to help buoy the the young players when they have an off night and more veteran consistency like a Joe Ingles with Kevin mm-hmm. Love with a, a hypothetical healthy Ricky Rubio is much more valuable to me at this point than taking a swing on a 19 year old that's extremely raw and may not see the floor for two years and the Celtics did that with all their picks they got from the uh, KG Paul Pierce trade after they got Brown and Tatum kept on swinging on these 19 year olds and the only two that really seemed to have panned out were players that they didn't even acquire with their earlier picks Robert Williams and um, Grant Williams were both their later round selections yeah I mean I agree to an extent here. And here's where my thought process differs from that. And that's when I look at these, you know, take it, for instance, a Golden State. Um, Golden State found itself in the unique position of being able to acquire not only James Wiseman in one draft, but they got Jonathan Kaminga uh, in another. And, well, at least one of those is barely seeing the floor. Um, And then you have other players who have come through their organization, like a Jordan Poole. Um, that they can kind of just walk along. And a lot of people didn't think Jordan Poole had an NBA future um, just too long ago. But look at him now. I mean, I feel like you you have to have a, a sort of blend. And maybe this is a bad example just because we're talking about a team that features three Hall of Famers. And they're, they're just such a good mixture of uh, of talent there. And I feel like in Cleveland, what you have is the beginnings – 
of something like that. Maybe not as dynastic. Uh, maybe maybe not you know three <laughs> or four championships in their in their future. But at the same time, I feel like it it can't hurt to utilize, especially if you stay in that fourteen range, um, to pick up a guy like Ajagbi or Brown or Terry Eason. Um, there's there's a couple of different directions you can go, but when you take into account the the uncertainties in regards to the futures of a few few players in particular for the Cavs, um, a la Sexton, Karis LeVert's only on the books for one more year. Kevin Love, similar situation. Jetty Osmond, we don't know what the hell's going on with him. <laughs> um, it, it can't hurt to kind of replenish because um, let's just look at it this way. If you do get Sexton back next year, you're going to have DG, Colin, uh, Lowry. I was going to say Lamar Jesus. Lowry, <laughs> Evan, Jarrett. That's your five, prob- probably, those five. Then your next guy's off the bench. You have Karis. You have Kev. You have um, you have Jetty. You have Isaac. That's eight right there. And then your your typical regular season rotation is what, like nine, ten? You got Jetty and Lamar. And then you have Jetty. Jetty and Lamar. And so if you draft a guy, then you have to figure out, hey, is this guy good enough to beat out Jetty Osmond, Lamar Stevens, or Dean yeah. Wade for minutes? Uh, I feel like in JB's mind, anyone with a pulse that is <laughs> is ready to replace Jetty Osmond. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's, that's a fair point. Um, but I feel like if you do, you know the book on Jetty, right? Like we know Jetty is not going to get any better than he is right now. At least that that is my assertion. It's not impossible. We've seen it happen before. But I am pretty much have seen everything I need to see out of Jetty. Yeah, I um, the more I sit and think about it, like I we've talked about in past episodes how Jetty is a a good contract in the sense that he is only eight million a year, pretty much. Not bad. Yeah, you it, it's a not a hard contract to trade away, but it's also what are we going to get for eight million in salary, pretty much? Because the Cavs don't have a lot a of wiggle room. Oh man! Wow. <laughs> but I mean, listen. I mean, you have the first rounder this year, and you have two second rounders. You can replace Jetty. Jetty might not even at full strength. You might not even play Jetty. It's it's good to have a guy like that at your disposal off the bench, I suppose. Who's combustible? We know that he can catch fire. That's a drop of a hat, but it's so damn inconsistent that it's replaceable, especially with the talent the likes of Malachi, Brandon, or Ochai, and and we know that both of these guys can play defense. We know <laughs> that both of these guys, especially in the case of Agbaji, we know the guy can play on both ends of the floor. It's just about who is he going to beat out for minutes? Is it Lamar? Probably not. Is it Dean? Possibly. Is it Jetty? Most likely. <laughs> Man, poor Sold. Jetty. Drive-by shooting. <laughs> I'm sorry. Point Jetty, I've taken like a – I have nothing against Jetty. Like Jetty has actually apparently not. Uh, <laughs> really he, he's a lot. been one of my favorite players, even you know throughout the seasons. Because I, I did honestly think he was going to be, you know, something after LeBron left. Um, he had a huge void to fill, and although we knew he was never going to live up to that, because that's impossible. Um, we knew enough to know that surrounded by the right coaching staff and the right guys around him, Jetty could at least be serviceable and. I mean, he has to a degree, but he's just not quite uh, – he's just not quite given enough consistently to be considered a guy who warrants minutes in the rotation. Yeah, uh, Jetty's uh, – it feels like a Viking burial for Jetty right now. His boat's <laughs> being pushed out <laughs> with a flame. Hey, man, it, it, it was a long time coming, I feel like. Hey, that workout photo with him, LeBron, Katie, and Kawhi was mm-hmm. a good time. <laughs> uh yeah i'm not trying to, I, i'm not trying to get too down on him i'm just saying like if you if you do end up bringing in um a, a branham or a jobby or any really any other type of wing guard because it, it's kind of interchangeable there i feel like because i think i want to say that malachi is six five actually i want to say both of them are six five both branham and Ajabi, same size so and i i want to say jetty's around six 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 seven 
Yeah, um, I think he's six seven. You can really interchange those. Yeah. So I don't know. That's that's kind of where I'm at with them. And then last but not least, the last position I feel like this team kind of needs to address is the backup five. Who would be your dream target through free agency or the draft for backup center? <laughs> Uh, I just feel like I want a veteran presence in my back, uh, my front court. So it sounds pretty lazy to say here, but you can't really count out a, a JaVale McGee reunion. I knew you were going to say that. What about, how would you feel about the Cavs bringing in Bismack Biombo? Oh yeah. I mean, honestly, they kind of do the same stuff. It's mm-hmm. really just whoever wants to come for cheaper, I, I would very much prefer. Just to kind of throw this your way, Biombo is only making 1.3 this year. So I feel like he's very acquirable in free agency if you give him just a little bit more, maybe a little bit more. But it's a good situation he's in in Phoenix if they want him back. I was going to say, yeah, the tricky thing with these Suns backup bigs is that Chris Paul makes all of them look like the most valuable backup big in the league with the way he just Wait, perfectly no, orchestrates feeds. No, no, no. This was more a shot at Bismack. Right? <laughs> <laughs> because Bismack before Chris Paul was just sitting by the phone waiting for a call. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, the greatest point guard of our generation, um, you know, he can make guys look like that. And uh, the second greatest point guard, his protege, Darius Garland, will do the same. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, is, is is Darius Garland more Steph or is he more Chris Paul? I feel like he's more Chris Paul. I feel like he's more Steve Nash than anything else. But because, like, you, he has the ability to shoot the uh, – the three at a, cl- but his, he's never going to take the amount of shots that Steph Curry takes. And I don't want him to, because as we saw in this uh, Miami heat Atlanta Hawks series, Trey young tried to put on his best Steph Curry impression. And it did uh, one. It did not work well. <laughs> I was so happy to see that. <laughs> I was so happy to see them get taken out. And I know that may come across as me being a hater, but damn, I don't give a shit. Like I was, I was no. so excited to see that. I I think it's like I I think the inside the NBA guy said it perfectly about the Hawks. The Hawks are a team that take a bunch of really awful shots, but they go in. So <laughs> you kind of think that they're all sort of like human flame, they're like all flamethrowers. You think, and then when the water gets turned off for them, and they're like, "Oh crap, we're not hitting these heavily contested or forty foot three pointers all the time." What what what, what do we do now? And then they all just kind of look around and you see Trey Young averaging almost the same amount of points per game as Marcus Smart. And Marcus Smart doesn't even take remotely the same amount of field goal attempts. Marcus Smart plays defense. (laughs) Yeah. And he doesn't take 20 plus attempts anymore (laughs) in a game. Yeah. So I was I was just over the moon to see them get what what was coming to them, in my opinion. But uh, I'll stop hating. (laughs) <laughs> this no, is please. the Cavaliers podcast. Uh, <laughs> I, as you see our comment by C.E. Slade down here, if we somehow get Mo Bama, it's Raptor League. But realistically, <laughs> JaVale would be perfect for us at the back of five. I'm, I'm, I think we're both there, right? I mean, we we would love to see a JaVale McGee reunion, but it would take an awful lot in regards to um, contract, in my opinion, to pry him out of there. Yeah, I feel like – but. We, we kind of know what player we want, and luckily the player that the Cavs need isn't an expensive player to get. Oh, a it's, defensive rebounder guy who would go out there. Yeah, I, I mean, like. they're not expensive by any means. You could sign any veteran-level big and pretty much get him for the mid-level. Does that mean it's still okay to bring back Fiondu Kevin Gailey? <laughs> I think he's always willing to take a call. <laughs> I, I don't think he's got a lot going on right now. Probably not. Um, Ate Zizic, do you think he still takes calls or <laughs> hell? Give me a, a Timothy Mozgov back. We'll see. He would probably be pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, once I said uh, Ante Zizic, I'm like, wait, he's not defensive oriented at all. He kind of sucks. <laughs> all I know is that those three positions: backup guard, specifically lead guard, wing, and backup center are the three positions that I feel the Cavs need to address this offseason, and I feel like they will. Um, they have a lot of ammo at their disposal in regards to expirings. They have some draft picks to work around. Um, truth be told, I do not want them to move this pick. I, I do want them to select 
wherever they are. I feel like this is a deep enough draft to come away with an impactful player. So I hope that doesn't end up being the case. But in the case that it does, I have full confidence that Kobe Altman and, and company will bring in a guy who is serviceable and probably a vet. Yeah, no, I feel like if they ever traded that 14th, I'm, I'm going to say 14th, but uh, it could be top four. <laughs> I, I I feel like we're staying put at 14, and I'm okay with that if that does happen. <laughs> Mac, it's it's wild that you say that with a 2.5% chance. <laughs> oh, I mean, you feel seen, confident. We have team. seen crazier things happen. You're right. I'm just saying, like, this this team has had some crazy-ass dra- uh, draft lottery luck, but um, it's just one of those things. I feel like if they end up staying at 14 and don't move up at all, I'm okay. This is such a deep draft that you can get some guy who will be um, who would be impactful, even if it's not day one impactful. You see a guy like uh, like Bridges, as we talked about earlier, that can develop into something the Cavs will need when it comes to the championship window. Being yeah, okay. no, I feel like the only way they'd ever move off that pick is if it's a sweetener with a player for something else. I don't think it'd be pick for player straight up. I don't. I don't see the Cavs. No, y'all, you, I think they just have to dangle. put somebody else in there. They'll have to dangle like Harris LeVert. Like Jetty? <laughs> I'm, that's what I'm saying, man. Like outside of your core three of DG, um, Evan, and Jarrett, and that that's really it. Everybody else is untouchable. Colin, uh, for anybody who's out there thinking I'm disrespecting him, I'm not. Colin is a core member if he's signed. So I'll leave it at that in regards to the core. But everybody else – is is up for grabs and so if they do dangle that pick along with the player they could bring back somebody impact and, and if the Cavs don't end up keeping Colin and he signs somewhere else somewhere else it'd probably be a sign and trade so there's probably other players that would come into it as well because yes. Colin if he signs probably not with the Cavs is signing for the near the max so mm-hmm. that's gonna probably have to be sorted out I mean, I hope it's not kind of like what the uh, Raptors got for that Lowry trade where they just beat. Well, Precious and Chua has been pretty decent for them. And yeah, Goran Dragic was acquisition. something. <laughs> I mean, and they, he just got eliminated with Brooklyn. But yeah, he actually well, looked okay. I feel like he looked okay. I mean. No, yeah, he's fine. But they thought they thought uh, uh, Goran Dragic wanted to leave the Raptors because he wanted to play for a playoff contender. And ironically enough, the Raptors could make it farther than the uh, Nets. Yep. (laughs) Um, But all that is to say that, you know, I think we're both in agreement here that this Cavs team is – um, it is going to do whatever it can to get better, whether that be via acquisition through free agency or the draft. And as our friend Don Oliver down here says, you know, no need to hurry yet for the Cavs. They have one of the youngest core in the NBA. They've still time to develop players. I still think the draft is the best way to go here. That's pretty much what he said. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, I kind of feel the same way, but, I have enough trust in this coaching staff and well, not the coaching staff, the front office to make good decision in regards to, you know, what to do with this pick. The Cavs haven't really failed on the development side either. I mean, our closest thing to failure has been Dylan Windler and uh, I'm not willing to give up yet. And that's not just because I have his Jersey and I can't return it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Kobe Altman clearly hits more than he misses in regards to the draft and, and development. I mean, Outside the draft, they have unearthed maybe not any diamonds in the rough, but they've unearthed some some gems. Um, you know, Brandon Goodwin filled his role as best he could, and that's a guy I think that we both can say we hope he comes back on a two way, possibly unless they find somebody better, which I don't think they will. Um, Moses Brown came in and gave us to an extent, um, you know, what he could. You got Lamar; he was undrafted. Dean, also I believe, undrafted. A lot of guys who've come through these gates that were not selected in the draft. So why not place some faith in Kobe? I think he's earned it. Yeah, I feel like weirdly, you know, it's weird to say, but I kind of am more excited for the second round picks than I am for the first round. There's this, like I'm saying, man, this is a deep ass draft. Like you can really find some, some talented kind of maybe, maybe a draft and stash, somebody that you can kind of put on the bench for a while and they'll come up when, they come of age or they when there's a spot available. Maybe when Kevin Love's gone, you 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 just don't know how these things play out. But hell of a time to to be equipped with some draft ammunition. 
Seems like Max really pushing this get Kevin Love out agenda shortly after posting his highlight film on Why? YouTube. <laughs> yeah, dude, I put all the time and effort into putting that together. And Corey's making me out to be a K-Love hater. <laughs> I just want to say that I have not brought the idea of Kevin Love being shipped at once. And the only person that's brought it up multiple times is Mac. Hey, he's not an untouchable. <laughs> but Maybe to I you. Do, I do want him to retire in Cleveland. So I'd be perfectly fine if he's not moved. I'm just saying. You can Feels like you him. want to put Kevin Love down. Like he's a healthy dog and you just want to. <laughs> I already put him did down. that. I already did that with Jetty. I'm not doing that with Kevin Love today. I had to, I already had to battle those demons back with, uh, with the Jetty. And you know how much I love Point Jetty, but, uh, some things, the writing is on the wall. Um, Kevin Love, <laughs> Kevin Love is completely different. Like, dude, we've talked about this a few episodes ago, but, uh, he, he completely changed like the perception around him in Cleveland in literally like one year. And we knew dude was never going to live up to his contract, but he can, he changed public opinion. Yeah. I mean, people wanted him away from the team, like not even cut, you know, just away from the team. And I feel like that to, to, to see what he did in response to that and accepting his new role and then being fairly productive, being a six man year finalist a year after all of that. Pretty awesome. Yeah, I mean, you can never count out players having rebound seasons. I mean, look at Al Horford on the Celtics. I think everyone wrote out Al Horford after he basically, the Thunder paid him all the money (laughs) to just be like, all right, well, thanks for uh, eating our cap sheet. (laughs) I mean, he's in the perfect role for him in Boston. I feel like that was where he always should have been. Just like Kevin in Cleveland. (laughs) all meant to be where it's meant to be yeah i mean years and years of trade rumors things of that nature and he's the last man standing al horford went cross country pretty much and kevin love just had to stay in one spot to find home again (laughs) yeah i mean kevin love is an eventual hall of fame guy so i'm couldn't be prouder of him i hope that he doesn't get shipped out i'm just saying if he does i understand (laughs) All right. Again. That, said, <laughs> that said, uh, like we always tell you guys, if you'd like to reach out to us, you can at It's Cavalier underscore pod on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, and more. If you'd like to be added to the exclusive It's Cavalier Discord chat and you know what to do, leave a rating, leave a review, send that via screenshot to It's Cavalier 53 at gmail.com and we will personally invite you in there. <laughs> I struggle to get through that. I always do. Hey. I wasn't going to say anything about the revatings. I mean, they're cool. (laughs) (laughs) All righty. Go Cavs. Have a good night. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.